welcome again. Good morning, and I'm so glad that you're here. We are beginning a brand new series today, just a two-part mini-series, and entering really a fantastic season in our church called Legacy, and I can't wait uh, until um, you just hear what God is doing through us and could do through us, and really, this is the best season of our church, it really is, and uh, we're only just a little over a year old, but uh, we're starting this annual campaign called Legacy. We'll actually preach this every year, you'll see around this time. Uh, we talk about leaving a legacy. We're kind of entering the holidays. How many of you have already started getting ready for the holidays? Let me see where you're at. I'm already putting on my Thanksgiving weight. You're welcome, whatever. Uh, how many of you started Christmas shopping? Where, where are my pre-planners at? Where are you at? You already started on Amazon? Good, good, good. We hate you. Everybody's kind of looking at you disapprovingly. Um, getting ready for that. And really, it's the end of the year. You start looking back over your life. And start focusing on what am I really doing? You know, I don't know if you made any any New Year's resolutions going into 2017. I did. I, I made the New Year's resolution to, to lose 20 pounds, and I'm very pleased to tell you I am only 30 pounds away from. I, you're welcome. I know. Uh, I know you can tell. Uh, maybe you get to the end of your year like me, and you look back and you go, man. What did I do or what am I doing or what could I do together? And really, that's what legacy is all about. What this season of our church is all about is what can we do together? What could we do, you know, as, as we sort of focus our attention here at the end of the year and get super strategic about finishing strong? Whether you started strong at the beginning of the year, some of you, you know, you thought your year would go differently. Some of you suffered loss and some tragedy this year. You're sort of entering into the season which can bring honestly some pain and just the reflection of, man, I'm not where I thought I would be. I don't have what I thought I would have. But this is really a great season for you to sort of shake that off and go, what if I could finish strong? Even though I may not have started stronger, kind of in the middle, we you know, kind of got low, but I'm going to finish strong. If you weren't faithful to church at the beginning of the year, it's a good time to get started. It's a good time to just sort of get some habits in your life and really look back. And this is what this... Season's all about for our church. I can't wait to dive into it with you. Why don't you bow your heads and grab your Bibles. Let's ask God to talk to our hearts. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the Bible. I think in, in this book, this is more than just words on a page. And this is more than just a history book. This is, this is the roadmap of my life. God, as I look back over my year, maybe I don't have everything I thought I would have or maybe I'm not where I thought I would be. As we enter the holidays. But I really want my life to count. I really want my year to count. So over the next couple of moments and the next couple of weeks, would you just talk to my heart through your word? Help me to leave a legacy. Whether I started strong or not, let me finish strong this year. In Jesus' name, everybody shout amen. Amen. Let me give you a couple of ways that we are doing, some of the things we are doing. You've heard us talk about this. Uh, a lot. You heard this in church news, but in two weeks we began the biggest series that we have done at this church since we launched this church called At the Movies. And I know you got to get it confused because we are actually at the movies, but the name of the series is At the Movies. And we take four weeks and we take four blockbuster films that we will cut up and divide up and take truths out of those. So you'll see the clips of the films and then you'll see me preaching in between those clips of those blockbuster films. And we'll, it's kind of a modern day parable. And honestly, it's the best possible season to bring somebody to church. It is the biggest evangelistic thing we've done since we launched 
uh, a little over a year ago. When you leave today, we're going to give you a handful of invites. Are you handing those out, everybody? You, are you inviting everybody you possibly can to bring to church? We start November the 12th on Veterans Day weekend at, at the Movies, and I'm telling you, the first movie that we've picked is absolutely it's a tearjerker. It's going to be, I'm not telling you what they are. Do not, you, I, I will not, well, I don't know. I may do it for money. I don't know. Anyway, or pie. Don't, don't tempt me with pie because I may give in. But I'm not going to tell you what the movies are. I just want you to be there every week. And I want you to fill up your car every week. Just bring people back to church. There's people that will say yes to a movie that wouldn't say yes to church. And then here's what here's the dirty little secret that's just going to be between us. But at the end of every one of those at the movies, I'm going to give the clearest and most compelling gospel presentation I can. And your favorite day in church, I tell you this a lot, but your favorite day in church will be the day that you bring somebody sitting beside you in that comfortable chair that you're leaned back in right now. And they, at the end of the service, tears rolling down their cheeks, raise their hand and give their heart to Jesus. It will be by far your favorite day when a neighbor, a friend, a co-worker, a family member that you brought to church says yes to Jesus and their life is forever changed and altered because of what happens in that. So I'm excited about that. That's what's coming up. Let me tell you kind of where we've been. We're just over a year old. And in the past year, I just had some some reports given to me about what happened in the last year. Just people who have filled out a connection card, which not everybody does that, but people that filled out a connection card and said, we were here for the first time in the first year of our church, over 300 individual families, not individual people, whole families, over 300 families filled out a connection card. And said they were here for the first time. I think that's absolutely amazing, everybody. Give yourself a hand for bringing people to church. In that, we have had hundreds of people say yes to Jesus and make a fresh start with God. Raise their hand at the end of the service or check that on their connection card and said, man, I made a fresh start. We actually have a book called Fresh Start with God. If, if you make a fresh start with God today or you, know, you give your heart to Jesus for the first time in this service, we want to come alongside you and give you one of those books. And We've done that hundreds of times over the first year. I'm super excited about this one. In, in our first year alone, we have baptized 45 Brand new believers. That's worth giving God praise for, everybody. Yeah. 45 people said yes and took a next step in water baptism. Some of you need to do that. In January, our next water baptism, we're going to end our 21 days of prayer together with baptism. And it's going to be absolutely outstanding. It's just amazing what God has really done through us. We have graduated over 150 from growth track, which is our next step. If you're here today and you're just kind of kicking the tires, you've been kicking the tires for a while and you want to know, Man, how do I, how, you know, how do I not only become a member here, but how do I take a next step towards really becoming, you know, fully devoted family and discovering my purpose, sort of why God put me on this earth? I tell you this a lot, but the two two best days are the day that you were born and the day where you figure out why you were born. And discovering your purpose, we've helped over 150 people in the first year of our churches graduate through that and, and discover their purpose. And you look at all that and you think, man, that's amazing what God has done, and it really is. And you know, this time of the year, kind of. As a leader and, and, and a leader in your life, you, you look back over your life the same way I look back over mine and go, man, it's amazing what God has done through us. But to be honest, we, we're not in a race. Like we don't have any you know, specific you know, finish line. One of the hardest things about my job, other pastors, we talk about this all the time, is, is that there's really not a finish line to what I do. And, and you know, it's kind of a, a, a continual thing. If you're a painter, the, you know, the painting gets finished. Or if you're a, you know, if you're a plumber, it gets finished. You, know, you do the work and you, and you leave and that particular project's done. But there's, it's hard to look back over my year and go, man, this is done. Because honestly, we're just on a continual pace. And, and here's what I tell you, that we move at the pace of your generosity and your participation. So often people ask, 
you know, what, what's next for City Hills and where are you going next? And, you know, when are we going to? And I, I, honestly, the question is from a pure heart, people usually ask, you know, Pastor, when are we going to? And then they fill in the blank with whatever, you know, it is that's important. And usually what my answer back, and, and I don't mean to be sarcastic, I really do mean this, it's whenever God talks to your heart about that, that's when we'd move on to that next thing. Because we've just decided, like, we're not going to go into a bunch of debt. We don't have any debt. We, we're not going to, like, we're not going to win any kind of races. We're not going to get any other obligation. We're not in a hurry. We're in a marathon to build a local church that's healthy and thriving. But we move at the pace of your generosity and your participation. So be careful the stuff that you have suggestions for because I'm probably going to ask you if God's talking to your heart about leading whatever it is that you're suggesting that we have because that's just how, we, that's how we've always moved. We just feel like, God, okay, God, what do you want us to do next? And however it is that you are generous and however it is you participate because even though we have great vision and we really do, we have vision for multiple campuses around the Hill Country and San Antonio. Matter of fact, I talked to somebody just this past week about about our, our, the, our vision for campuses around 46 and moving into spring. Anybody from Spring Branch of Bulverde? Where's all anybody over that direction? We're looking at a campus over there. New Braunfels. Anybody ever been around New Braunfels? We're praying about campuses there or Kerrville or campuses at UTSA a little further into San Antonio. And so we have great vision for all of that, and, but we're not trying to break any records. We're just saying, okay, God, what do you have for us now? And honestly, we're trying to just realize the potential that we currently have. One of, the, one of the biggest things that I really feel like God called me to do in your life is to help you realize the potential that you have. And honestly, that's how we lead this church. We don't want to, we're not in competition with anybody. I don't want to be anybody else. I just want to, I want to have everything God has for us. I want to realize the potential that God has for us. And so we talk about what it means to go on a journey. We talk about journey a lot here at City Hills. If you've been around here for any length of time, you've heard us talk about it. And we want to take you on a four-step spiritual journey. You'll see that on your connection card, uh, on your worship guide, excuse me. Today, you'll, you'll see how we have a four-step journey. We want you to do four simple things. We, we think it starts with, we want you to know God. I don't, want, I don't want a church of people who know about God, who are theologically or intellectually, you know, I know about God, or religiously. I want you to know God in your heart. I want you to have a vibrant, personal, life-giving, thriving relationship where you know God, and then when, when you do that, I want you to find freedom. Second step of our spiritual journey is to help you find freedom. To really settle your yesterdays. Because even though you come to God, and God may save you from your past, you still have the stain of your past. Even though you may come out of you know, that proverbial Egypt, there is, you still may have some of that Egypt living inside of you. And So really, we, we want you to find freedom or settle your yesterdays. And we do that through our small groups. We're, we're just at the end of a small group semester where dozens and dozens of groups existed to help you find freedom just around a basketball court or around a, a book study or a sermon study or just grabbing coffee with other moms, just getting around a table and really taking the mask off and saying, hey, I need you to help me. I need you to pray with me. I need you to be here with me and, and find freedom. And then really... The fun stuff happens after that because the third step of that spiritual journey we want everybody to go on is to help you discover your purpose. One of my life callings, I think, is, is, to, is to look at you and go, what, what did God put you on earth for? And if you'll discover that thing, if you'll you know, ask God to open your eyes to what is the purpose that you have in my life, then I really think you can live the highest calling that God has for every believer. And the highest calling, listen, despite how you may have been raised in a religious context, the highest calling of your life is not salvation. The highest calling of your life is to make a difference. Is that your life makes a difference. Does God want to save you from hell? You bet He does. But listen, 
Giving your heart to Jesus is not just fire insurance. When you give your heart to Jesus, it's saying, okay, I'm going to take all that stuff I thought my life was about, and I'm going to give it to you. Now you tell me what my life is all about. And then help me to live in such a way that I make a difference. And honestly, I really believe that's the highest level of living. Nobody ever gets to the end of their life, their 80th birthday, their 90th birthday, their 100. I was just talking to somebody the other day. Their grandma was like 101 years old. Y'all pray. I lived to 101 years old. I can't do it with the current diet I'm on. Anyway, whatever. 100 years. You don't get to the end of your life and look back over your life and go, Man, I hope, I hope, I hope that I have enough money. Man, I hope that we had a big enough house. Man, I just wish about my... Nobody ever gets to the end of their life and go, I wish I would have partied more. Honestly, I don't think I drank enough. I think I should have done more. I think I should have went out more. I think I should have partied more. I think we should have had a bigger time. I just wish I would have get to... I wish we would have had a bigger house, nicer boats. No, no, no. Everybody gets to the end of their life and looks over their life and says, Man, did my life count for something? Like when all of your kids and grandkids and great-grandkids are standing around your bed, the question that you have in your mind is, Did my life make... A difference. Like what am I going to be remembered for? What, what's the legacy I'm going to leave? And I want to take you on a journey for the next couple of weeks about what it is to leave a legacy. And what can happen as we look over our lives and look over our whole church and go, what could we do together? Like as a church, as the end of the year, what could we do to make sure that we leave a legacy? David started thinking this way. Psalms 112 says this, Good will come to him who is generous, there's the first part, and who lends freely. And who conducts his affairs with justice. Two things here, separated by a comma. He said there's two ways you do this. You are generous, and then you conduct your affairs with justice. And surely, listen close, surely in, in light of the world that is shaking around us, and we just talked about this in a previous series about, I don't know if these are the last days, but these are my last days. And in light of all of the shaking around you can live your life in such a way that you will never be shaken. Man, I'd love to have a life like that. Like that it doesn't matter what happens or what the world does or how much is coming against me, that all the shaking doesn't shake me. And that a righteous man, David said you could live your life in such a way, that a righteous man and a righteous woman could be remembered forever. That you could have something that lives on. Let me define it this way if you're taking notes, write this down. Legacy is simply where my life lives on. It's where the life that I currently have, after I stop having it, lives on. That, that, that I have something that I've done in my life. And, and David gives us two things in Psalms 112. Write these down. I think there's two areas he said. The first one is that I'm going to give to something that will outlive me. I'm going to give to something. He said, if you're generous with what you have and you lend freely, there's something that I can give to that will outlive me. I'm going to give my time and give my abilities and give my resources and give what I have, my talents. I'm not, just going, I'm not just going to hoard all that and keep all that and, and hold all that in. No, no, no. I, if I want to be remembered forever, if I want to leave a legacy and live a life so that it outlives my life, I'm going to give to something that, that is bigger than me, that will outlive me, that will be here when I'm gone. Because honestly, listen close, I want to use what I have to make a difference. But not just make a difference here, I want to make a difference for eternity. I want my life to, I want to give to something that makes a difference beyond me. But, but, because I can't take it with me. You, you know the old axiom, you, you've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul, everybody. You just can't do it. You can't take it with you. But the Bible says you can send it on ahead of you. So you can't take everything with you, but you can live your life in such a way and give your life in such a way 
that will outlive you. And the psalmist said that the first way is to be generous with what you have. The second way that a righteous man could live his life such that he is remembered forever is I could live my life living so my life outlives me. I can give so my life outlives me. And I can live so my life outlives me. Because honestly, listen my, my friends, you and I have a few short years on this earth. Our life is not that long. and it, 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 We don't have a, a lot of time. And so in light of the fact that these are my last days, I, how can I live my life and make the biggest difference I can for eternity in the time that I have? Like, how can I leverage everything that I have to make the biggest difference for eternity? How can I give in such a way, and how can I live in such a way, that when I come to the end of my life, I look back over my life, and I've made a difference with my life. That my life outlives me because, listen close, write this down, the goal is not to live on earth forever, and everybody shout amen to that. The goal is to leave something behind that does. The goal of your life, the goal of your Christianity, the goal of the blessings God has given you is not to live on, on this earth forever. I, I read a story just the other day about, uh, about science and how they're trying their best to extend life. And I, I believe in all of that and colonizing Mars. And so I, 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 There's some folks I'd like to send on that first mission. Amen, everybody. I, we don't know if it's going to work, but just in case, you know what I mean? And, but the goal is not just to live forever, and I want you to live good. I want you to live a healthy life. I want you to live a long life. I want, you to, I want God to bless everything that you have. But the goal is not so that I live such a long life and I accumulate all this stuff. The goal is that I don't live here forever. The goal is that I leave something behind that does live forever. That there's a legacy, that there's something. And honestly, I believe this is why you exist. I think this is why God, I think God expects of us something that lives forever. I think God, once you, once you know God, once you give your heart to God, I think God expects you to do something that lasts longer than you. And, and here's the way that I like to filter it. If you're taking notes, would you write this down? This is the two-question test that I think every person will have to answer. And this is really in light of legacy, in light of the fact that I want to live my life in such a way and give my life in such a way that it outlives me. There's two questions that I'm going to filter uh, through. And, and I found it in the book of Romans. Paul is writing to the church at Rome and they're judging one another. Now this church doesn't do that, but I've heard of other churches that do. Amen, everybody. They look down the aisle and, and, and they're looking and they're going, I don't know what to, I don't know how she, she, she put all that on a credit card. That girl ain't got no money. She, I see her tags hanging out. She's going to return that back to Dillard's when she gets out of church today. Y'all have never said that to anybody, but I've heard of other churches that talk that way about folks. And they were looking down the aisle in the church of Rome. They were judging, going, I never see them give. I ne they don't give online either. I never see their phone out. They don't give online. They don't give nothing. And I see what they drove up in. I see how they're dead. And they their kids are bad. Y'all don't judge other people's kids, do you? Their kids are bad. Somebody said, yes. How are you going to admit to that? Their kids are so bad. If my kids would, I'm telling you, my kids were that way. I would jerk. I would, and they were. And this is what the church in Rome was doing. And Paul is the apostle. He's not just the local pastor. He's the overseer. Our church has overseers that serve as this apostolic elder in, in our church. And and it's not the local church wasn't dealing with it. So Paul said, "Let me write you a letter and help help you with some stuff that I see." And he writes to the Romans and he says, "You then." Why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? I love the way Paul just punches them right in the throat. Y'all wouldn't go to Paul's church. None of y'all would. 
He says, why do you do this? He says, because, listen, we all will stand before, here it is, God's judgment seat. For it's written, as surely as I live, so now the Bible quotes the Bible, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will acknowledge God. He said, there's going to come a day when everybody's going to stand before God and each of us will give an account, not of the person you're sitting beside, not of the person you're even married to. Thank God for that, everybody. Not of the kids that you raised. Everybody's going to give an account of our to God. In other words, Paul is alerting you to the fact that everybody's going to stand to God and everybody's going to give an account. Now listen, we just talked about this. Are we living in the last days? Is this going to happen soon? I don't know. But I do know this. If I live my life like this is my last days, then part of my job as your pastor is to prepare you for this final exam. It's, it's to prepare your life to answer what I call the two-question test. And let me give you those two questions right now. The Bible calls these two tests judgments. And it doesn't necessarily mean like, like judging you to hell. It just means the test or the exam. This, you're going to face God. And the Bible says every single person, Christian or non-Christian, is going to face this very first test. And it's this. Would you write this question down? What did you do with my son, Jesus? The first question you're going to have to answer is, because Paul said, he said, listen, I don't know why you're judging one another because there's going to come a day when every knee is going to bow and acknowledge Jesus. So the question is, what did you do with Jesus? What did you do? How did you live your life? This is called the great white throne judgment. Revelations 20 says, then I saw a great white throne. There it is, great white throne judgment. And him who seated on it. And the earth and the heavens fled from His presence, everybody, and there was no place for anybody to run. And I saw the dead, great and small, every single person, listen close, standing before the throne. And there were books there that were opened. And then another book was opened, which is called the book of life. And in it, every single person was judged according to how they answered the question, what did you do? With Jesus. Let me give you the wrong answer. Let me give you the religious answer. And this is where I find most people. Honestly, the reason we started this church is because I think most people answer this question religiously. And here's the wrong, the wrong, question, the wrong answer to this question is, well, uh, I went to church. That's about Jesus. Or at church we sang songs about Jesus. Or I read a book about your son Jesus. Or listen, I believed. In your son Jesus. All of these are excellent things to do. Honestly, I'm not telling you any of that is bad. But all of those are the wrong answers. All of those are the wrong answers. Because most people think, listen, most people think it's about what you do. It's the biggest misconception of Christianity. That you're gonna that the first time you stand before God, you're going to give an account for what you do. That is not true. You will give an account for who you know. The first question you have to answer in your life is what did you do? The first question God the Father will ask you is what did you do with my son Jesus? What did you do with Jesus? And the right answer is not I went to church, I did a bunch of religious stuff and I gave a bunch of money and, and I read my Bible and we prayed and we fasted and we did a bunch of cool stuff and we served. No, 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 no. That's not the right answer to that question because Matthew 7 says that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven but only him who does the will of my 
Father who's in heaven, many on that day, many people will stand and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name we drove out demons and performed miracles. And then he will tell them plainly, listen close, it wasn't about what you did. It's that I didn't know you. Because the answer to the first question is not what I've done. It's who do you know? the reason why the foundation the vision of our church is that you know God that you know God not that you know about God I don't want you to do a bunch of religious stuff there's not a list of rules that we hand you at growth track and say hey if you'll do all this stuff then you'll be good then you will accept you no 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 no. I want you to know God personally I don't want you to have a, a relationship with this church I want you to have a relationship with God I don't want you to have a relationship with me or with a denomination or with a team. I want you to have a relationship with God. Because the answer to the first question that you have to give is not your relationship with this church. The the answer that you have to give is what did you do with my son Jesus? And it's not about religion. Listen, the right answer to that question is I knew him personally. Would you write that down? That's the right answer to the question. It's not all the stuff I've done. It's not all the religious stuff I know. It's not all the theology that I've gotten down. It's when, when, when God asks you, what did you do with Jesus? The right answer is, I knew Him. I had a relationship with Him. When somebody, all, all the married folks, raise your hand. Let me see all the married folks. If you don't know, look at the person you're with and just ask. Make sure you're still married. If, 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 I, if I come to you and you're married and I say, William, who are you married to? Listen, the answer is not the woman who cooks for me. If it is, this will be the last day you're married. The person, uh, if, if I, who are you married to? Uh, uh, the, uh, I don't know, the, the, the woman who cleans my drawers. I don't know. I'm just married to the person who does stuff for me, who cooks for me, who washes, who, who, who earns a paycheck. I'm married to the person that I sleep with. No, 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 listen. If I ask you who you're married to, you give me a name. Because your relationship is based on who you know. I know them, not what they do for me. I know them. And most people, when they're asked the question, what did you do with Jesus? The first response is, all the stuff they did. I did all this religious stuff. And the right answer is, I knew Him. I had a relationship with Him. It was more than just going to church. It was more than just, it was that I knew Him personally. Now here's the second question. Listen, if the first one is, what did you do with Jesus? The second question is reserved for people who answer the first question correctly. Because if you don't answer the first question correctly... It's a whole different scenario. You know what I'm saying. Say amen to that, everybody. The Bible calls that sheep and goats. And there's one way and another direction. And goats go a different direction. But if you answer the question correctly that I knew him personally, then the second question comes, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with my son Jesus? And then the second question to those that answer that correctly is, What did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I put in your hand? This is called the judgment seat of Christ. The first one's called the great white throne judgment. This is called the judgment seat of Christ. And it's a reward judgment. It's it's an exam where you get awards and rewards for it. Here's what 2 Corinthians says, For we all must appear before thee, there it is, judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due him. Why? Not Not for who you know, but for the things you did. While in your body, whether good or bad. 
The judgment seat of Christ is where we receive rewards. It's not sad, it's a celebration. And it's, it's a celebration for those who made a difference with what they have. It's like an award ceremony in school. Anybody ever like those award ceremonies? All the people who like those usually get the awards. Everybody else gets participation awards. Come on, where are all my C average students at right now? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Y'all my friends. When you go to an award ceremony, everybody gets You go to kindergarten, everybody gets an award in kindergarten. And it's about what you've done. Listen, this is a celebration. This is not sad. This is a celebration for what you've done in your life. And Jesus is excited about this. Matthew says the Son of Man's coming in the Father's glory with all of His angels. And when He does, He will personally reward each person according to, listen, what He did with what He had. God desires to bless your life. Honestly, the reason why I think Jesus looks so forward to this, to the judgment seat of Christ, is because He wants to bless you. I believe that. I, I really do. I think God wants to bless you, and he wants, He's going to bless you. So how do you pass this test? If God's going to reward me for what I did, how do I live my life? Listen close. How do I live a life that God rewards? How do I, what do I do with what I have? I, I want you to take both of your hands and hold them out in front of you. Everybody? In the room, hold them out in front of you, leave your hands empty. Now I want you to look into your hands. And with your mind's eye, I want you to think about everything God has given you. He's given me my life. The, the fact that I'm here at 30 or 40 or 50 years old, 60 years old. He's given me all the years that He's given. He's given me time. He's given me a certain set of skills. And, and some of you are thinking, man, I don't have what everybody, but you got something. And He's given you your experiences. Put the, look, in, look in your hands. The good ones. The bad ones. The stuff that you've learned from, the stuff that the stuff that, that you had to go through, your talents, your gifts, the money that God's given you, the job that God's given you, the family that God's given you, the opportunities that you have, the successes of your life. You're not looking in your hands. Everybody look at your hands. Your failures. The stuff you wish you didn't have to go through. God put all of that stuff in your hand. Now listen close. Look in your hands. And with your minds, I want you to imagine all of this stuff God's given me. All the blessings, all the money, all the resources, all the talent, all the gifts, all the time, all the ability, all the opportunities, all the open doors. And listen, the answer to the second question is, what did you do with what I gave you? Because I expect for you to leverage everything in your hands for the sake of eternity. Because when you look at your hands and they're empty right now, there's going to come a time when you stand at the judgment seat of Christ and you'll look at the same empty hands because you can't take any of that stuff you just thought about with you. You can't take your talents, your ability, your resources, your house, your family. You, you, you're not going to be able to take you know, all, this stuff, all the opportunities, all the successes, all the failures. Your hands are going to be empty in front of Christ. So how do you answer the question, what did you do with what I gave you? All this stuff I have, everything that I have here, it can be used to make a difference. Let me give you the right answer. Write this down. The right answer is I gave all of my life away. Jesus, everything you put in my hands, I gave away. Because I knew there was coming a day when I would have to stand here in front of you and give an account. And I couldn't, listen, I couldn't show you the stuff in my hands because I can't take it with me. I can't take all my resources, all my talent, all my gifts, all the opportunities, all the successes. all the. I can't take this with me into eternity. It, it, it's, it's living back. It's back where I left it. Now I'm standing in front of Christ having to give an account. And He says, what did you do with what I gave you? And the right answer is, God, all that stuff? 
Oh, I gave all that away. I leveraged everything you gave me in this life, listen, for eternity. Because I realized I couldn't take any of it with me. Because I realized that, that there's, there's something in my heart. I'm driven by eternity. Listen, even when you didn't, this is the reason we focus on this this time of every year. Listen, at the end of every year, this is the reason why our minds go back to what did I do? How did I spend my year? How did I spend my life? Am I really investing in and leveraging what I have for the sake of eternity? Because God put inside of you, even when you didn't know it, God put eternity inside of you because this life is not about this life. Last week we talked about Ecclesiastes 3 and 11 says, everything is beautiful in its time. And He also set eternity in the human heart, listen close. Even when you were far from God, you had eternity in your heart. How many of you, when you were far from God, you were miserable? Let me see your hands. You just, you, you had a terrible marriage, terrible life. Ter- I was addicted. I was messed up. Nothing. I, I didn't like being around other people, and nobody liked being around me. I didn't even like being around myself. You know why that is? Because unintentionally, even when you didn't know why, everybody has a universe-sized hole in your heart. That's eternity. And the only thing that can fill it, better jobs can't fill it, bigger houses, more money, a different wife, a different husband, better kids, different kids, more kids, whatever it is. None of that fills the only thing that fills up that heart because there's eternity in my heart. And then when I come to God and I give my heart to Jesus, now suddenly it's like the scales fall off of my eyes and my eyes are open. I go, oh... All of the stuff I've lived in my life, it wasn't about this life. It was about the next one. And so here's what I'm asking. If you were unintentionally driven by eternity, even when you didn't know it, what could happen? Listen close. What could happen with your life and mine if we got intentional about living for eternity? Like what could happen in our life if we just decided, hey, since I don't know if these are the last days, but these are my last days. And since they are, I'm just going to leverage everything I got. Because there's going to come a day where I stand before Christ and I have to answer two questions. God's going to ask, what did you do with Jesus? And I have to answer that question. And then if I answer that question with I knew Him personally, I had a relationship with Him. if If that answer is correct, then the next question is, okay, now what did you do with what's in your hand? Hold your hands up. What would you do with what's in your hands? And some of us are looking back over our lives at 40, 50, 60, 35, 20 years old. And you don't, you don't have a good answer for how you've leveraged what God's given you. Well, God, I, you know, I invested this and I got more money. Okay, but that didn't last. Well, God, I, I sold that house and I bought a bigger house. Okay, but that's not an eternity. Well, God, I, I, you know, I, I made a mistake here, but I learned from that, and so I, I excelled in my business, and I, and I ended up taking over the company. Okay, but that, that's not eternity. How did you leverage what's in your hand? What did you do to intentionally leverage it for eternity? Let me give you three ways I think you can do that, and I'll let you go. Here's the first one. If you're taking notes, write this down. I'm going to live my life and intentionally give what I have. And I'm going to take what I have in my hand and I'm just going to give it. Because God's uniquely blessed us. How many of you God has blessed you? Would you raise your hand if God's blessed you? Every hand in the building ought to be up. God's blessed me. And there's a reason why He's blessed me. 2 Corinthians says, You will be made rich in every way. That's blessing. So that, here's the reason, 
You can be generous on every occasion. I say it like this. You are blessed to be a blessing. Shout amen to that, everybody. This is the reason why God makes us rich and blesses us, so we can be generous. And through our generosity, listen, through your generosity, people don't just look at you and go, man, what a generous guy that is. Man, what an awesome couple that is. Man, how amazing that church is. Look what they're doing in the world. Look what they're doing in their community. No, no, no. Everything that this church is going to do, when we leverage it all together, I don't want anybody to look at us, and I don't want them to look at me, and I don't want them to look at you. I want them to go to God and go, God, there must be more. Like, they seem to be living for something beyond this. You say, well, how do I give what I have? There's a couple of clear ways to do that. Let me give you a couple of those and then we'll move on. And I want you to feel comfortable with me telling you those couple of ways. If I'm going to give intentionally, if what I have I can't take with me, I'm going to give intentionally. Let me give you, listen, God is not looking for equal amounts. God is looking for equal commitment. And the only way God could, because God, listen, in God's just ways, He doesn't go to you and go, well, you have to give the same amount they have to give. And you, everybody has to do this. No, no, no. He just said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just make it even that there's an even commitment that everybody gives the same commitment. Here's the way that Paul would write it. He said, on the first day of the week, 1 Corinthians 16, on the first day of the week, every one of you should not be guilted into giving. It's the reason why we take our offering at the end of every service. And I never tell you, hey, we really need, hey, please. Hey, I'll just tell you to ask God. Because I've already assumed that you've set aside a sum of money that is a percentage of your income. This is the way the Bible says that everything that happens in this church, all of our ministries, everything that goes on here. Listen, let me let you in a little secret. We don't have a secret goat farm that we sell goats and make money as a church. Like, we, don't, we don't do that. Which if you have a goat farm, I'm interested. We don't, we don't have anything else to make money. Like there's just everything that happens around this church. Listen, everything, everything. Every, our staff, all the equipment, every, all of our ministries, rent, lights, office, everything that we do, everything is because a group of people have decided I'm going to give a percentage of my income. Let, let me just encourage you. Here's one way. If you aren't currently, to give intentionally is just to become a percentage giver. To become a percentage giver. That you'd look at your income and you go, okay, God, you gave me all this on the 1st or the 15th of the month or every other week or every Friday, whenever you look at your paycheck or direct deposit. And you say, I know you're keeping up when that direct deposit hits your account. I know you are. You've got that app on your phone talking about where's my money. You keep refreshing it. Where's my money? And when you look at it, you go, okay, God, you gave me this job. You gave me the health to work this job. I, I, I left to my own, God, I couldn't find a job. God, you've blessed me with promotion. and So in light of that, I'm going to take the first percentage. The Bible talks about the first 10% of what you have, the percentage giving. Again, it's not, it's not the same amount of money for everybody. It's the same amount of commitment for everybody. I'm going to take, I'm going to take the first percentage of what I have, and I'm going to give it to God. And then the second way that you can do that, and here's the way I'm really excited, is above and beyond our normal giving, what if together... On one day, we could bring an offering to leave a legacy. What if, what if we, we pulled everything at the, at the end of, of the year and, and we decided above our tithe, above what I normally give, above the percentage that I normally give to God, what if I sacrificed at the end of, at the, end of the year, what if I, I, together we gave something that left a legacy? That every year our church would give away tens of millions of dollars. Would you like to be a church? I'd, I'd love to be a part of a church like that. That every single year we decided, man, we don't just want to keep what we got. I want to give it away. 
I want to give my life away. I want to give to local and, and, and national. I want to plant churches. and I want to give to missionaries. And I want to send my money ahead. And so listen, on December the 10th, I'm, I'm going to ask you to prayerfully consider giving to our legacy offering. Not just to missions or not, not just we're going to give away a whole bunch of it. But then some opportunities that our church has to grow. People are always asking, what are we going to do next, Pastor? When are we going to get a building? Or how are we going to take a next step? And let me be frank with you. I don't have, I don't have a picture to show you. Here's the building we're going to buy. Here's the land we're going to buy. But here's what I do have. I do have vision to know that God has what's next. And in light of that, I want our church to be in a position that when the opportunity arises, that we can leave a legacy. That we can make a difference together. And we'll do the hard part. Listen, we'll vet ministries and missions and, and places that are strategic. We're not just going to send money everywhere or opportunities everywhere. But everybody can, I'm asking every person to participate in this offering. And listen, we're not taking it today. And we're not taking it next week. Intentionally, I'm going to give you six or seven weeks. Because here's the reason why. Because I'm not going to hard sell you on giving. I promised you I never would, and I never will. God help me, I'll never come to you begging for anything. But I'll unashamedly ask you to ask God what He wants you to do. To leave a legacy. So over the next couple of weeks, I want you to ask God, God, what would you have our family do? God, how, how, how could I give so that my life lives beyond me? Here's a couple of other ways. Not only, not only should you give financially, but you can give, you can give your talent and time and maybe acts of kindness cards. You know, we have these little cards. Matter of fact, when you leave today, they'll be on the connections. You'll be able to see them. Our, our team, I have them in their hands. There's little cards that say something extra to show you God loves you, and you go through a drive-through. I'd love for you to do it today. You go through Waterburger. All my Waterburger people, where you at? Yeah, me and me and you, Henry. That's fine. We'll go. Leave all these people. They can have salad somewhere else. It's me and you, dog. You put that card in the window, and you say, how am I going to pay for the card behind me? You say, man, what does what 7 or 8 bucks or $10 meal have to do? I'll tell you what. It's because you never know the person in a car who just needs to know that God loves them. And a $7 meal at Whataburger can be the thing. It opens their eyes to general. You mean there's people on this earth that really don't just live for themselves? Oh, yeah, there's a bunch of us. Here's a second way. If I'll intentionally give to something that outlives me, here's the second thing I do. Write this down. I'll hurry. Is I'll intentionally serve others. If you're not on the dream team, listen close. Let me give you two opportunities. If you're not on the dream team, get on the dream team today. Like if you've been in this church for, for any amount of time and you've been kicking the tires and you keep coming, just get on the team. Go to growth track. Next week, step one of the growth track. You can get on every single month. Wherever you are, if you already completed half of you had completed the other half, just get on. Just get on the team. Just make your life count. Because listen, the people that serve here, the hundreds of people on our team setting up and tearing down and playing instruments and teaching in kids' rooms and greeting you at the doors and making coffee and all, all, administration and leading groups and all. Listen, all of that stuff's not about the stuff. It's that we're making a difference. All those people did that because they knew you would be here today. So you can experience the presence of God. They decided, listen, I've got some talents or some gifts or some abilities. Why don't I leverage what's in my hand to serve other people? Or join an outreach group. Yesterday, our church is a regional church. We serve a lot of different areas in San Antonio. And there are people from Holotus and 
Bulverde and Spring Branch and Kerrville and Comfort and Bernie and, and, and just all over that attend this church. But we, our church currently meets inside of Bernie City Limits, so we were, at, we were at a big Bernie Halloween deal yesterday and serving thousands of people, hundreds and hundreds of families and kids came through. Join in, just do something that serves other people. We got a Christmas parade coming up. We're going to be the biggest float in the parade, everybody. Say amen to that. You say, why? Is it about you? No, 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 no. It's about people. I just want to leave a legacy. That, if our church wasn't here next week, if, if, if these doors were closed, would people miss us? Listen, if you weren't here next week, have you lived your life in such a way that you could answer the question, what did you do with what's in your hands? What did you do with what I gave you? Here's the third way. I would give and I would serve. And then I would just share Christ as intentionally as I possibly could. The reason why I'm preaching this to you before we enter at the movies is because this is the best season of our whole year for you to get intentional about bringing somebody to church. It's the best way to make a difference, to share your faith with somebody. Listen, this is really our mission. This is how we grow. We don't grow because we you know, spend a lot of money in advertising, and we do. We do a lot of advertising and billboards and flags and Facebook and mailers and door hangers. We have door hangers for at the movie, thousands of door hangers to go in your neighborhood for at the movie. But really the best way that's going to happen is there's somebody in your life, somebody in your neighborhood, somebody on your job that just needs to know this is the legacy I want you to live that they brought me to Christ so that when you go to the judgment seat of Christ when you stand in front of Jesus and your hands are empty and he goes what did you do with what I gave you you say oh that well I leveraged all of that I gave all of that away I invited as many people as I could I brought all these people to Christ that's why at the movies, it's a great opportunity. There's people that would say yes to a movie that wouldn't say yes to anything else. Christmas is a great season. Christmas Eve is on a Sunday, y'all. We're going to have two dynamic Christmas services. Candlelight and suits. I'm going to wear a suit, everybody. That's worth it. Come on. We're going to clean up. Some of y'all are going to take a shower even. It's going to be a big day. Fill your row up. Fill your car up. Why? Because I want to leave a legacy. Listen, I want to do something that outlives me. Why? Why all of this talk about legacy? This is the end and I'll let you go. Listen close to what Paul tells Timothy. Now listen, Timothy is a local church pastor like me. And Paul, his overseer, the apostle, tells Timothy, here's what I want you to do, I think, every year around October I want you to preach a, a, a series, Timothy, about leaving a legacy. And here's the reason why. He said, Timothy, I want you to command those who are rich in this present world. Look at me. That's you. And that's me. He said, I want you to command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to look around at their lives and go, look at all this stuff. Look at all these talents. Look at all this experience. Look at this corner office. Look at this new boat. Look at all this stuff I got. He said, no, 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 no. I don't want you to be arrogant. And I don't want you to put your hope in wealth. Because honestly, it's uncertain. He says, I want you to put your hope in God. I want you to take everything in your hand. And give it to God. Because God richly provided everything in my hand anyway. 
And then he said, command them to do good. That's what I'm doing to you now. And to be rich, not in material wealth, but in good deeds. And, and to be generous. Willing to share. Because in doing so, listen close. In living this legacy life that my prayer for you is, that I want our church to lead, that I want, I want my family, that I want your family to lead. In doing this, and giving everything I've got, and living in such a way, then you lay up treasure for yourself as a firm foundation, not here, because all of this is going to burn up, but in the coming age. Because I can't take it with me, but I can send it ahead. Because there's going to come a day when I have to answer. He said, on top of all that, listen, you're going to live a good life. Like the happiest people in the world are the most generous people. He said, you're going to live a life that's true to life. But, but above all that, because friends, listen close. This is the last thing. Write this down and then you can close your notes. Listen. Because there's more to this life than this life. Because there's more than just accumulating stuff. Hold your hands up. There's more. This stuff's not about you. What if, what if we lived in such a way that we made a difference? Like for eternity. What if we got, what if we, I don't know how it's going to work, but what if we stand at the judgment seat of Christ together? What if we get to carry a big sign that says City Hills? <laughs> I don't know. And we get to go, hey God, look at all this stuff you gave us. All these amazing people that make up this church. All of the talents and gifts you gave us. All of the resources you gave us. All that stuff. We didn't hoard up all that stuff. We didn't keep it. No, no, no. I, we gave it all away. We just gave it all away. We just reached people with it. We shared, we shared our testimony with everybody. We invited everybody we could. We served like crazy. I heard somebody say this the other day. If you want to save a city, you serve a city. You want to save your neighbors? What if we could together look at our hands to Jesus and go, here, what, what did you do with what I gave you? Oh, I gave all that away. Why don't you take somebody by the hand and stand up all over the house? Nobody moves around for about two minutes. Would you do that? Everybody's standing. and Give me about two more minutes and I'll let you go. I know I'm a little long today and I'm hungry just like you are. Somebody's hand you're holding. Why don't you bow your heads? Nobody moving but our team. Nobody leaving. This is a holy moment because I'm going to ask God to talk to your heart in this moment. With your eyes closed, your hands clenched, why don't you ask God, God, what are you saying to me? I don't know if I could answer these questions really the way I should. What have you done with Jesus? What, what did you do? How, how, do you have a relationship with Him or a relationship with church? Well, God, I did all this stuff. No, no, no. I don't, I don't care about all this stuff. I want to know what you did with Jesus. Did you know Him personally? My prayer for you, honest to God, honest. My prayer for you above all is that you know God you have a vibrant relationship that changes your life, changes your family tree, changes everything about you, that I knew him personally. And then listen, 
Don't look around. Just close your eyes and ask yourself, what did I do with what you gave me? Am I leveraging what you've given me? My experiences, my opportunities, my successes, my failures, my, my knowledge, my resources, everything that I have. Am I leveraging it for eternity? Or am I just holding on to it, trying to, trying to keep it for myself? Now, God, I pray in this moment you would talk to our hearts. God, I don't want it to be guilt or shame. I want it to be your Holy Spirit that speaks to us. God, help me to live my life in such a way that it outlives my life. Help me to give in such a way that it outlives my life. God, if, if we're here today and it, it sort of speaks to us, help me be an intentional giver. Maybe that means percentage giving and tithing, or maybe it, maybe it means you would talk to us. I hope that every person here you would talk to about participating in our legacy offering that over the course of the next six weeks, you would talk to my heart. Tell me what you want me to do. How I could leverage what you've given me so it lives beyond me. Help me as I, as I intentionally try to serve people. God, I pray for people in the room who maybe aren't serving and just kind of living life for themselves and really just have made church about consuming more than it is about giving. God, I pray that you just talk to our hearts about serving, getting on a team, serving here in our community and in our outreaches and just everything that we do on the weekend, making space for people to meet Jesus. That this moment is a result of the countless hours before this moment where people served. And then God, help me to share Christ. I pray over the next couple of weeks, especially for at the movies and Christmas. God, there would be more people in this church that gave their hearts to Jesus than at any other time this year. I pray that you would, God, you'd put people in my path. Listen close. What did you do with what I gave you? With your eyes closed, I want you to think about the stuff He gave you. Think about the neighborhood you live in. I'll tell you about my neighborhood. I've lived there two years. My neighbor's two doors down from me. She's in her mid-40s. Twelve months ago, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Her and her husband, Tim, I saw them walking. We talked. Sunday night, when I left here, she left this world. did I do with what you've given me? God, help me to live my life in such a way. Leverage what I've got. Because this life, there's more to this life than this life. This life is so quick, so fleeting. Help me to live in such a way that I'll leave a legacy for